Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I'm so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today I'm really excited to have the wonderful Marion Rose on who's come to talk all about her amazing new book. I'm here and I'm listening. Hello Marion. Hello lovely Joss. And we were just laughing beforehand that of course the bird the birds come there's a bird come into the room and started singing just as we pressed record. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> so I'm here singing alongside the bird with my book. <laughs> So in case you don't know, Marion's just written this incredibly amazing new book called I'm Here and I'm Listening. And I've read the digital version, but I haven't had a copy in my hand yet. Apparently, my copies are on their way, but I haven't actually received them yet. But you've got yours there and people are starting to receive them, aren't they? Oh, yeah. There's there's all these wonderful stages and steps. And when people actually start sending pictures through of them, holding them or reading them, I I feel so excited and delighted. There's always this kind of surprise of like, oh, it really is a book. <laughs> it really exists. I'm always remembering, you remember when, did you ever have this like first time pregnant and first baby and like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a baby. And then and then there's a baby there, amazing, gorgeous, wonderful baby. And it is a bit almost like, oh, wow, that really, there really is a baby here. I don't yes. know if you experienced that kind of thing, but it's a bit similar to that. Of course, quite different, but a bit similar. <laughs> well, it's been, you know, many, many months in the in the nurturing and growing. And now here it is birthed out into the world. So yeah, it's a good analogy, isn't it? Amazing. Yeah. So it's... this book is I, I when I read this book, as you know, we I just I think I sent you about six thousand Voxer messages while I was reading it because like every page I just went, oh my god, I love this, and I was just I enjoyed it so much, and I couldn't put it down, and I I cried and I laughed, and I just I loved it so so much, and I'm really yeah I'm so looking forward to actually holding a copy, but. I'm wondering, like, maybe just start by asking you, like, why why did you choose to write it? What was it that you wanted to 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 do by writing this book and sharing it with the world? I don't really remember that point in time where it, where it happened. It's almost like these things happen, and and I'm doing them, and then I go, oh, I wonder, I wonder where that came from. It's kind of just like this this divine download. But I do actually even want to say before that, that I'm so grateful to you, Joss, because as you know, particularly, well, always anyway, but that time when you were sending all those messages through was such a healing experience for me. The younger parts of me have such unmet needs for acknowledgement and appreciation. And when you were doing that, you probably remember, I was also crying and laughing in response to your <laughs> responses. It was so powerful and profound. So I'm just so incredibly grateful to you. That was just so exquisite. So I really have the sense of you being there as as like a, what would it be? Like a doodle or something. Although I know that word is, some people don't use that word anymore, but yeah, you're like one of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But really the, the the vision for it is a bit like almost like a manual an aware parenting manual for parents of young children so it's for parents or carers of children one to eight and really the idea that yes you can read it all the way through and I would love that and for people to read it multiple times like Aletha's amazing books but also that it's something to just have around and to go oh there's something going on with my child and screen. So I want to go back and read that screens chapter or well, like, oh, I'm developing my loving limits more. I'd really love to go back and read that and to be this resource really that people can come back to time and time again throughout their parenting journey, just to, to go back to. And as we talk about so often, Joss, every time I read Aletha's books, I always find things that I didn't really see before. I see things more clearly or my understanding has deepened. 
And I'd really love the mind to have a similar quality to that, to be something that can be returned to again and again, rather than a book that's kind of read once and put on the bookshelf and left there. I'm sure that's how it will be because when I was when I was reading it myself, I've I've read a lot of parenting books and I've been aware of parenting for many many years, but I did find myself again and again coming back to this renewed understanding or renewed passion or renewed excitement or or deepening or or new clarity about things. So I'm sure that's how how it will work in the same way that we often talk about with Elisa's books as well. So. Yes, I, I think that's that's all going to be the experience for lots of parents when they get the chance to read it, which is wonderful. So you start off the book, or you start off the book by giving the story, your story, I suppose, with aware parenting. But then when you get into the the the, the main body of the book, you start off by talking about some of the foundations of aware parenting and you talk about some of the cultural misconceptions about children that are so outdated now but are still often widely believed in our culture around lots of things about children. But you talk about the beauty of aware parenting, seeing that behavior that is considered in our culture to be just a normal part of childhood is actually an indication of something else. And it's not intrinsic to children necessarily to be aggressive or to be uncooperative or to be difficult or to be having conflicts. And this beautiful perspective with aware parenting that, in fact, behavior is is a illustration of symptoms that our children are experiencing because of what they're feeling or what they're understanding or what they're needing. What what would you love to to share about some of that and how deeply you now understand that to be true? I think it's one of the the almost surprising gifts of aware parenting. And I know that you've experienced this too, Joss. It's like it's we often start off doing it, don't we? Well I did anyway to to offer these support to my daughter to meet her needs to listen to as many of her feelings as I could and along the way my whole belief about not only children not only babies but human beings and who we are completely transformed which really changed my whole worldview to really understand that our cultural conception of children and thus as adults because we were children once is really you said outdated. Yeah, it's really, it really hides our true nature. And actually, when we really get that, like it's almost like a, this veil falling away from our eyes to, to see people in a new way. And I just love that. And whenever we can come back to that in ourselves, which is why I talk a lot in the book about us as parents and our own, as you mentioned, the three beautiful things, our own thoughts, needs, and feelings, the more we can tend to those so that we can see children clearly. So we can see that they are these amazing and wise beings who do things because of, again, these, this list of beautiful list of three things that Aletha developed, thoughts, needs, and feelings, that it really helps the us maintain that connection. And that's what I see so much is however hard parenting can be. And I've been through some really rough times in parenting. It's a way of us staying connected with our children and thus, and them staying connected with themselves. And that is one of the, the out, I don't even know if I like the word outcomes, but let's use that one. One of the outcomes I really see with my lovelies who are young adults now and yours and everyone I've worked with who now has young adults or you know teen, teenagers in their late teen years is even though of course we all have our own trauma we all have our own hurts we're you know we're doing this for in this culture in this disconnected domination culture but even with that and I talk about this in the first the introduction even with that even where how I parented from my own trauma many, many times, I still see my son and daughter really deeply connected with themselves. And it really is what I see is one of the most incredible gifts from where parenting is when we can see children clearly, it's almost like they can see themselves clearly, they can stay connected to who they really are. And it's one of the most beautiful things in the entire world, isn't it? Mm. I love those words that you used. It's so beautiful. And of course, when we are when we are doing that, 
and offering them that and allowing them to then have that sense of deep connection to themselves, it also supports this incredible relationship because there is this relationship between us and them that is just based purely on this gorgeous, unconditional love and trust and acceptance of each other, which is just so powerful, isn't it? So powerful, isn't it? And you know, our conversation every time I talk to you, for example, it's just so obvious. I mean, it's just like in neon lights the effects of you practicing aware parenting with your your son and daughter, and just the it's just it's just clear. It's just so clear that this is such a profound way of being with children. Right in the middle of that part of the conversation, twenty-year-old is he twenty still? Is he twenty? He's 20, yes. Your 20-year-old son texting you, being on the phone with you long call. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. proof is in the pudding. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so one of the things that you were talking about there is how sometimes it is really, really hard. And because, of course, all of our own trauma comes up often and in this beautiful way of parenting, we're invited to, to do our own reparenting. And you talk about that so beautifully in the book in several different chapters and throughout in these themes about bringing more compassion to our to ourselves, doing our own reparenting work, exploring our harsh thoughts and our unmet needs and our painful feelings and not punishing ourselves and all of those kind of things. What would you love parents to to understand about, about that process and, and how they can support themselves in that? Well, I'd love them to understand that it's almost as important as what they do. I see often a process for most parents, myself included, earlier on in my journey where everything starts off being you know, what am I doing to my child? How am I being? What do they need? It's so focused over there. And over the years, I think what most of us realize is it's so much about how we are in ourselves, what we're telling ourselves, what the extent to which our needs are met, what's showing up for us in terms of feelings from the past. And it's almost like the more we tend to those whilst also knowing aware parenting, of course, putting it to practice day to day. But you know, as Aletha so beautifully talks about, we can trust children. Like this, this is innate to them. They have these innate capacities to do all of these things, to to become securely attached and to individuate in their own time, to learn, as we talk about so much. Uh, you know, to heal all of the things, and it's so much about us tending to ourselves, so that we can offer as much as possible this supportive environment, so that they can just do what they know how to do in a, of course in a really attuned way responding to what they need but it is so much about us it's so important and often that's the almost like the biggest hardest part because of course all of our conditioning and hurts and trauma that actually get in the way of us valuing our needs and you know it really often takes a lot particularly i think for mothers to really realize how important it is to value our needs and to be willing to to get them met and how that supports us to feel more relaxed and present in our bodies. And that is everything for children, isn't it? Us being calm, relaxed and present as much as we possibly can, knowing that we're not going to have to do that 100% of the time, probably even, I don't know, whatever percentage, but you know that we can be that enough of the time so that they can do what they know how to do enough of the time. Amazing. Yes, amazing. Oh, I love that. Yes. One of my favorite quotes in the book is you're talking about control patterns and you're talking about the the three things that we can do when we have big feelings, whether we can go into repression or aggression or expression, which I think just in itself is incredibly helpful. But you go on to talk in that part of the book about the experience of what we're doing when we are suppressing feelings and dissociating. And you have this gorgeous paragraph, which I'm just going to read out because I loved it so much. And you say, the antidote to suppression and dissociation is warm connection. One way we can remember this is to think of freezing, which is another word for dissociation. When we meet the freeze with emotional warmth, it can melt into water, which we can liken to emotions, feelings in motions, which including tears and crying. And I just think that is an incredibly beautiful thing to, to read. And of course, that's something that I understood before, but there's something about that, that 
analogy with frozen water that really spoke to me. I, I just love that so much. I find it so helpful because, of course, most of us learn to suppress feelings because we had to. And we're trying to support our children to express feelings and to slowly learn ourselves how to express feelings again. But coming back again and again to this image of it being like a a frozen thing inside us that when we bring warmth or when we receive warmth ourselves and love and acceptance that can flow. It's, it's really powerful. It's so powerful, isn't it? And I love that you love that. I, I know that's the bit you love your, your favorite uh, phrase of the book. I think it's probably one of mine too. And what well, I was thinking about it this morning, actually, because I was remembering way back in the day when we used to talk more about control patterns and not so much about dissociation. So when Aletha wrote her most recent book, Healing Your Traumatized Child, which is so, so amazing, she really brought in dissociation more. And it was really helpful for me to hold in mind that word. And and I'd thought about this for, I don't know, 20 years or something. I've been saying, maybe 18, since I became an aware parenting instructor, I was, was saying to parents, when a child's in a control pattern, it's a it's a bit like they're frozen. And but I hadn't really got then the fight, flight, freeze response. So so it only came in much later to go, oh, of course it is actually a real fit. So I just love the whole journey of that. And after you did the beta reading, I've added in some more stories at the end of some of the chapters, which I they're my favorite bits of the whole book. And one of the stories talks about a little girl who's who's really likening how she feels to to feeling like like ice and clouds and and then the mum comes in and offers this warm touch and warm loving phrases and then the little girl moves into this big storm and then the tears and the rain and I really love it I think it's such a helpful metaphor I mean it's just so true isn't it that is that loving warmth that safety ah that means oh yes they don't need to be in that freeze. They don't need to be dissociated. They don't need to be desperately trying to suppress their feelings. They can move into the, the beautiful flowing tears that are just waiting to be melted and flow, <laughs> flow out. <laughs> and then the, and then comes the sun. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, here comes the sun. And here it is. <laughs> it's a beautiful, fresh day, which is so – and I, I just love that because, you know, I really love seeing – the biological wisdom of our bodies. And it is actually like weather. It really is like weather. There's the, the frozenness, then there's the storm, then there's the rain, and then the sky is clear. And that really is what it's like, isn't it? When, it? when our child comes out the other side of these big feelings that they've been suppressing and they've finished that whole chunk, they've completed that whole process of uh, resolving the fight, flight, freeze response expressing the grief and the sadness and they come out the other side and they are oh, it's like a whole new day it's like clarity it's like spaciousness and we have that too don't we I, I know so many times I've come out and like, oh my gosh I can see clearly now and everything looks fresh and new it, it, we, we are we are nature and we experience things so similarly to that. So I just love that. <laughs> mm, yes, I do too. And I really found it so helpful the way Aletha described it in the in her book, Healing Your Traumatized Child, because that really allowed such a, a deepening in, in understanding about what's actually going on. But also in in the first of all, the naturalness of that response to things that feel uncomfortable or threatening for us to go into those states and how automatic and, and biologically programmed that is, but also the understanding of the innate wisdom and ability of our bodies to come out the other side using these natural processes. So it's it's this really, again, I, I love how you describe it. It's that, that deepening in that trust in humans and who we are and how we are and how we're programmed to respond to things that feel painful and difficult and to then how we are programmed to to move out of it and to heal that and to release that and to let go of that. It's It's amazing, amazing wisdom. And knowing that supports us so much on this journey to be able to then support ourselves and our children. It really does, doesn't it? And as you know, I would keep coming back and forth to you and just going, I, I having done this many, many times, listened to my children these ways many, many times, but actually finding new ways of expressing it and explaining it. So I've done that a lot in the book. There's quite a lot of repetition because I, 
I know, especially if it's newer or even if it isn't, like actually hearing it in different ways is can be really, really helpful. And I just think that's so important. And I was going to say something else. What were you saying again? Can you remember exactly what you said in your last couple of sentences? I was just talking about the wisdom of the body to know how to respond to things that are difficult and challenging, but in order to survive, but how also to release and to heal from that as well. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I often think, gosh, it's hard practicing aware parenting, isn't it? It can be really hard. And and sometimes it also makes, it often makes many things very, very easy. But I really cannot imagine how parenting would be without this information. I just, you know, to not understand these things and for children to be doing these kinds of things, which we do see, don't we, of parents who don't understand this. I imagine the confusion and the overwhelm and the powerlessness and the frustration of like, you know, why is my child doing this right now? And what I love about aware parenting is, yes, maybe we're not always, we're definitely not going to always be able to respond with compassion and with the apt, most apt and helpful respond response. But most of the time we're going to understand what's going on. And if we don't understand it straight away with some conversations with our listening partner or aware parenting instructor, it will become pretty clear. And how amazing is that to actually understand children? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love in the book how you talk about the beginning, how children's true nature is to be loving and to be cooperative and all those kind of things. And then you give this this beautiful chapter about cooperation and enlisting cooperation which starts off by saying that sometimes children aren't that true self and they aren't that cooperative, loving, kind self. And like you say, we can either be clear immediately as to why that is, or we can get clear as to why that is, and then we can support them in these beautiful ways. What would you like to say about that process? So again, isn't that just so helpful to know, like, again, going back to Aletha's list of three, and I just really want to acknowledge, like, how the way I see this book is, and all of my books are to complement Aletha's books, because she just, she's just so clear, isn't she? So her list of three, which, you know, I talk about all the time, I know you do too, so helpful. And to be able to literally go through that list, the child's doing this thing, okay, well, first of all, let's connect with ourselves. That's always the first thing. And then have I given them information? Yes, if I've told them 27 times that the dog doesn't like having their tail pulled or it hurts when you hit or you know, whatever the thing is and they're still doing it, it's clear that it isn't information. And just that alone can be so supportive or really understanding, particularly around things to do with sleep that actually – to, to go through that information piece and to see if they're still doing that thing, it's not because, and this is where it's so helpful, isn't it? It's because if a parent thinks it's because of information and if they're not doing it, then it's so easy to go into thinking they're doing it deliberately. They're doing it to manipulate. They're doing it. They're, you know, they're winding me up deliberately. All the conditioned thoughts we can go into rather than simply, ah, I've given them information they're still doing this thing. That's not the cause of this behavior. Let's turn to the second thing, unmet needs. And and as in some cases, it's pretty much always number three, which is his feelings. So it's just so helpful, isn't it, to have this kind of almost like a, a roadmap or a guide map to go, what's going on? What's likely to be the cause? And what can I do? Yes. And I think that's why, as you say, this book is like a manual really for practicing aware parenting, because you have lots of these really helpful lists and and maps that you've put together over the years of this amazing clarity about aware parenting. And so, yeah, you come back to these lists, which, I mean, for example, in relation to the cooperation, you've obviously got the list of three things that are underneath the behavior that we can be looking into. But then you have this beautiful list of three about how to encourage cooperation by by giving information, by by offering choice, and then by making it fun and bringing in laughter, and how beautifully that connects with that list of three of information needs and and feelings too. But it's just Sometimes it feels so simple and sometimes it feels so hard because we are being required again and again and again to really tune into what are we seeing in our children and what might it mean about them 
but also what what it might it mean for us too what might our feelings be be there to to show us and and what might their behavior be encouraging us to explore about ourselves so there's lots of parts to it so many parts aren't they and i, and I want to acknowledge of course that list of three is from Aletha and many are and many are ones that i've made up from understanding her beautiful work and yeah, it's just so helpful, isn't it, to keep coming back to that understanding because our conditioning is so often so strong to have other kinds of thoughts, particularly if our child keeps doing that thing we don't want them to do or keeps not doing what we ask them to do. It's very easy for us to go into particularly our old powerlessness, our old ways of thinking about children. So the more we have this, that's why I think it's so important, don't you, to keep on like, li- you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and being part of courses and communities because we're literally creating new ways of thinking and being, which we're not designed to. We're not designed to change our conditioning. We are designed to pass on our conditioning. That's why it's often so hard to change it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Amazing. So the next, one of the next chapters that you talk about fairly early on in the book that I think is also really helpful is your chapter on attachment play. And you talk in there at length about what attachment play is and how it supports our children. But what I really love is that you go through each type of attachment play and you talk about what that type is, and then you talk about what that is helpful for. And then you give some examples and some stories from people who've practiced this with their children and and tried these games with them. Then you talk about what, what it might be bringing up for us as parents and in terms of you know, what's going on in the present moment and some of our unmet needs in the present moments, but then also some some of our past stuff that it might be touching around play or, or other things too. That's just so beautiful. And you go through and do that for each of the types of play. It's so lovely. Is there anything particular about play that you would love to, to share here? Yeah, again, just that. I particularly wanted to include that because, of course, Aletha's got her beautiful book, Attach and Play, which is so in-depth. I really wanted to give that piece because I know for me, like I I know in my own practice of attach and play with my children when they're younger in particular is whenever I was, well, not whenever, quite often when I was doing non-directive child-centered play, I would start to dissociate. So I had some practices that would help me when I would do that. And quite regularly, if I was doing power reversal games or particular particular ones, I would go into my own powerlessness. So for me, I really wanted to support parents to go, this is so normal and natural. And of course, this is our innate wisdom. Of course, we're seeing a situation that reminds us of something from the past. So our psyche is going, great, okay, let's, let's go in and heal this now. But to just to know that that's so normal and natural and it is a, a gateway and there are things we can do to support ourselves to still then be able to practice attachment play without just being completely dissociated or going into our own powerlessness every single time. So amazing. One of the other things that I love is how at the end of most of the chapters, you give these beautiful stories of from a child's perspective, seeing the world through the eyes of, of children. And I just found these passages so incredibly touching and those were the moments usually where I was moved to tears as my inner child was really resonating with what this beautiful these beautiful words why why did you want to have these as part of the book those are as I said those are my favorite parts and they're similar in the emotional life of babies book I just I think that's one of my biggest passions that I come and I feel touched to tears that I it's like my calling with wanting us as adults to remember what it's like to be a child because you know that's the gift I received because I'd done so much inner work before and was a psychotherapist and had literally 10 weeks of psych sorry 10 years of weekly psychotherapy before becoming a mum that those first few years it made it so much easier because I was constantly reminded of my own reflections of my own childhood experience so it made it so much easier to be able to put myself in my daughter's shoes or socks or bare feet and to think about what she might be experiencing what might be the world be like through her eyes and it's almost like a it's like a deep burning passion and calling of mine to support parents to remember that and it's almost one of the most powerful elements in parenting 
to be able to do that, I think, because that's where the compassion comes. That's where we can move out of that. You know, we can soar from going to our own powerlessness. And when we actually see this is actually my child, I am their parent, they're going through something, they need me, just being able to see those things and see what their experience might be and how different it is from what ours is, is it's everything, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's so profound. And I remember saying to myself early on in, in Aware Parenting that I would tell myself when my children were doing something difficult, I would be imagine them standing there in front of me and, and waving a flag and saying, please help me. And I would say to myself, wow, my child's really struggling right now. They really need my help. And I'm the woman for the job. And I had this little mantra, and I know you have a mantra too, don't you, <laughs> that you used to use with your children, but it really, really supports us out of those parts that that want to go into an automatic response of that kind of conditioning thought about what they should be doing or what it means and instead to come back to this amazing love and compassion that we have for them that means that that is our priority to be to be loving them in the way they need to be loved right now as much as we can yeah and i think that's almost like the way through because sometimes you know we, there might be something that's going on i remember there was something going on with sunny for quite some time and it just wasn't really shifting. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to keep loving him unconditionally and I'm going to keep responding with unconditional love and I'm just going to trust that this will shift and move. And it, and it did. And sometimes that is just the thing. And to do that, often we need to be able to really just see the world through their eyes. Mm. Yes. And to be getting then support for ourselves too when we go through those moments where we lose that and we lose the connection to that and we don't feel very loving at all so that we can come back to that that real just, yeah, that's all I want to do is to love my child as much as I can whenever I can. Yeah. Oh, imagine, just imagine growing up with that. Oh, yeah. And I love what you said earlier on about the simplicity and the complexity and the nuance. It's like, in some ways it is that simple, isn't it? It's like when we can basically respond lovingly as well as with loving limits where necessary and knows, but when we can respond lovingly and we can stay connected with them, it's almost like that's the most important thing, isn't it? If we can see them through the eyes of love, we can respond lovingly and we're supporting them. It's one of the kind of, again, the the unexpected gifts of where parenting is just becoming in increasingly loving and present and compassionate more of the time. <laughs> yes. It's, and the flow on from that is so amazing for us and for our relationship with them and our relationship with other people. But I really loved what you just said there. When we can see them through the eyes of love, we can then respond lovingly to them and to stay connected with them, which is just yeah, it's so beautiful and the same for ourselves as well. And one of the things you talk about too is is learning how to welcome feelings and learning how to offer presence and how to support our children to release and, and all the things that can get in the way of that too around you know, our cultural beliefs and our capacity and our, our willingness and the stuff that comes up for, for us and our own control patterns and so on. How, how? What are some of the things that you offer in the book to help parents with learning to to be able to be have more and more capacity to be welcoming feelings? Well, really, the main one is being able to welcome more of our own feelings, and in order to do that, we generally need because what we needed historically was to have our own parents and the adults around us to do that, which most of them weren't because they didn't receive that, and so on and so on and so on. So we're, we generally will need someone to listen to us, ideally multiple people, multiple listening partners, an aware parenting instructor, so that we get that we get that new felt sense. And I talk in quite a lot of detail about that, how we go from all these different ways that we might have been responded to when we needed to cry, which is one of the most beautiful, exquisite things ever, our tears so exquisitely normal as being a human being and all the ways we would have then internalized that or could have internalized that and then all the ways we then can then go on to treat our children and the more we can change that internal kind of almost representation in each in whatever way that was for us 
And that really is done through receiving something different from someone externally who either, depending on what it was for us, who gives us the experience that we're safe to cry or rage and that we won't be left, we won't be punished, we won't be hurt, we won't be outcast, or who um, stays calm and relaxed themselves, or who helps us have the experience of coming out the other side feeling relaxed. You know, all these ways that what we're offering to our children, that when we get those kinds of experiences as adults from other adults, that increasingly becomes our own internal experience. And that is what our children then experience from us. And so often it's this beautiful journey, isn't it? And I and I, I think that you had a similar experience of we might offer something to a child and then we start to experience that for ourselves. And it's kind of like this parallel journey of parenting and reparenting where we just increasingly become deeply compassionate with ourselves and able to feel our sadness and our rage and our excitement and our joy and our disappointment, our frustration and all of the feelings that are part of the beautiful rainbow of being a human being. And again, it's like these all these unexpected gifts, like we might start off going, oh, I'm going to help my child. And then we look back 22 years on and go, holy mackerel, I'm, I've transformed as well. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. One I don't know where the, I got holy mackerel from. I never <laughs> say that. I was I was trying to use a non-swear word. <laughs> because sometimes there aren't actually the words to capture the profoundness of the experience of this journey. It's really, really hard to find the words sometimes, isn't it? It's yeah. There was a quote that I shared today from your book, which I would love to read to here, which says. <laughs> Being more and more able to feel our own feelings in our bodies and express them in healthy ways through embodied talking, crying and raging to a loving external or internal presence can make a huge difference to our parenting. This will increase our ability to stay lovingly present in our body when our child is releasing stress or trauma through crying or raging with our loving support. And that's just that's it, isn't it? That's just it. Yes. Like, and wouldn't it be great if we could all just do, do that? that. With just a click of the fingers rather than years of deep inner work that's often yeah. required most of us. Having that understanding is so powerful because then we are more likely to be willing to to really sit and able to sit in the the pain and the discomfort that so often is there for us to explore when we really realize the bigger picture of of doing that, why we're doing that. Exactly. I think the why is important, isn't it, to have that why it helps it be part of what gives us the the safety to actually go and do this. Someone was saying to me the other day, you know, when you talk about, I don't know, being in the incubator and, and all the feelings, and it just kind of looks like a bit of a tidy package, and it's actually really painful going through the process. Of course, it's really, it is painful for us to reconnect with these, to, to come out of dissociation and to actually feel these feelings. And, oh, my God, life becomes more and more wonderful the more we're able to do it because just like with the process we're supporting our children to be connected with themselves more of the time and more present and more alive and just it's, it, life becomes more wonderful, doesn't it? It's really yeah. worth it. It's really <laughs> it's hard, worth it. It's really worth it. <laughs> yes, indeed. One of the other things about the book that I love is the chapter on loving limits. And I know we've had lots of amazing conversations in the last six months or so around loving limits. And it's a really, really beautiful chapter, I think. And you describe so beautifully the process of really embodying loving limits. And you go through and describe, you know, what they are and, and how they help and how we do it. And what to do when we can't do it and what to do when we find that it doesn't seem to be working. And it's just what so to do when it's Friday and it's a full moon. <laughs> and <laughs> But again, you have, it basically comes down to this beautiful, quite simple, but really beautiful practice of offering love, offering a limit, and then offering listening. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> what would you like to share about that? Well, we've had so many conversations, haven't we? And again, I really want to acknowledge Aletha because she 
edited this book. She gave me lots of suggestions. My knowledge of aware parenting so deepened and I'm like, how is that even possible? But I, I love when, when there's a practice, a paradigm, a map and a model like aware parenting that has, that is so, it so resonates with human experience. To me, that is the sign of something that's really has such, I don't even have the word for it. When we can keep on deepening our experience through ongoing study, observation, listening, practice, inquiry, to me, that is the, the sign of something really wonderful. And that's my experience. You know, after 22 years, through the conversations with Aletha and the conversations with you, I got clear about loving limits. I'm like, I thought I was really, really clear. I thought I probably wouldn't learn anything more. And there were so many nuances that I learned more and I'm excited because I'm sure now I'm really confident there'll be more things that I will learn and isn't that beautiful to keep on deepening our understanding and I'm not sure this is really answering your question but I think loving limits are one of the most profound gifts in parenting to really understand that and to increasingly be able to embody it and the way that radiates out in so many ways to so many other areas of our lives particularly for us as women, for those of you who are women who are listening, and many men too, but where our, we often didn't get to say no, it wasn't safe to say no, we were shamed or punished when we said no. So to really reclaim the incredible lovingness of our no, the incredible embodied power of our no, and how what the amount of safety, physical and emotional safety that gives to a child when we're really able to say from that embodied place, the phrases, which by the way, I know I talk about, I'm not willing. That is, that's just the way I like to say it. There's no set language for where parenting, but in the chapter, I do offer a lot of different suggestions. And really the reason I do that is because for me, language is a way that we can tap into feeling that love and that power at the same time. And that's what our child responds to. And for each person, that's going to be different. So that's why I invite the reader to check in, you know, what words resonate for you and how would you like to say? And when you say those words, how do you feel in your body? And if you imagine being a child and receiving those words, what would you, how would you feel and what would you interpret from that? So there's just so much richness in, in that chapter. As you know, it's one of my passions of like really, because I think it speaks to so much more in our culture about yeah, love and power. Mm. Yes, because that's exactly what it is, isn't it? On the one hand, we're offering this deep love and connection. And on the other hand, we are we're standing in our clear power about what what we want and what we don't want and what we're willing for and what they need and and how to support them and it's yeah it's just it and i think it's probably the hardest thing in aware parenting to to learn to really embody that yes and i really got that even just the last few edits because i did about a bazillion edits of this book was actually how much that creates physical and emotional safety what i really got in the last few edits was and again through rereading and rereading Aletha's Healing Your Traumatized Child is when a child is in aggression or suppression, in some way there's they their system is believing that they're not safe, that they need to be in that place. So so much of our role is providing that, as we know, the the balance of attention, that warmth, that love we were talking about, but also to really communicate to them that they are so safe now that they really do not need to be in fight, flight, or freeze, and that they can actually move into the resolution of that to to release all the energy that was mobilized for that, and then to express any other feelings that are there and to come out of that. And I I really got that in a way that I haven't before, and that's what a loving limit does. It basically says you are safe. You are safe to feel now. You are safe to rage. You are safe to cry. And I'm here and I will keep you safe. And I mean, I've got full body tingles saying that. Mm. It's so profound, isn't it? It's so profound. Amazing. Yeah. I've got goosebumps too. Got them as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're safe and I'm here with you to, to go into that and I'm going to keep you safe and I'm going to keep everybody else safe as well. And yeah. that's that's my job. And I'm yeah. holding that so you yes. can just fall apart now. Exactly. Because otherwise, if they need to be in either fight, fight, freeze, because they're 
system is believing that they need to do that to keep themselves safe. So I, I mean, I love that. I just really got that in a whole new way that I haven't got in 20, 23 years. It's our role. And of course, that's why it comes back to what we were saying before, our own physical, physiological, emotional state is so profound because we can be saying, I'm here and I'm listening, but we're feeling frustrated, resentful, exhausted. It's going to be really hard to communicate that deep sense that they're they're picking up. Am I am I really safe to to stop needing to protect myself in all these ways and just in some ways, it's incredibly. I don't usually like the word vulnerable, but it's incredibly. They're just letting it all out, aren't they? They're not. They're not putting energy into protecting themselves or being in freeze. They're they're trusting that we've got this exactly as you said. That we are keeping them safe. We're keeping others safe. We're keeping ourselves safe. We are holding this incredibly safe space so that they can move through this powerful release which they can't do if if they don't feel safe so that's why it comes back to our own inner work how central it is listening partners multiple we're parenting instructors just like you know doing our own work changing our beliefs about our needs so that we actually meet our needs because if we chronically not getting our needs met we will feel feelings in our bodies that they will pick up on and this is not another reason to pick up the guilt stick or you know, I should meet my needs more. I should go and get listening partners or whatever. It's more like, again, the why. Why is it so important? Why is it so important? Because we're communicating that felt sense that they will pick on and pick up on, and that will help them feel safe, and that will help them be free to do what they know intrinsically how to do. Mm. Yes, indeed. You mentioned there about using loving limits and and when our children go into aggression and i think you know often that's the hardest thing for parents isn't it because witnessing that from our child is the most challenging moment to stay deeply trusting to tend to ourselves to stay present to hold safety for us to hold safety for them it's it's really really challenging what what can we do to support parents with that particular part of this process Again, it's going through that beautiful list of three is like, you know, what we're telling ourselves. So really changing like you had, like I had, like, so if we're saying, noticing, what are you telling yourself at that point? Are you telling yourself they are, they're a wild child, you know, in our culture, there's loads of books written, aren't there, about children and with, with labels about them. If we've got a label that our child is really X, Y, and Z, it's going to be really hard for us to move in with a loving limit so what do what do you want to gradually replace those conditioned thoughts with that's number one our needs all of our needs but particularly our needs for agency and autonomy and choice if we're feeling chronically powerless in our lives because we're not choosing and we're constantly saying yes and we mean no and all of those things which is why i go on about that in the marion method is that's vital. The more we actually feel powerful in our day-to-day life, the more we're actually going to move in with that sense of, I am powerful here. Yes, my child might be trying to whack everybody over the head, but I am powerful here. But if we go in and we we feel powerless much of the time, how are we going to be able to move in there with, I am powerful and I can keep my child safe. I can keep myself safe. I can keep everyone safe. I know what to do. I am I am powerful here is vital, isn't it, to really do what we can do to feel more powerful in our lives, true power, not power over. And thirdly, one of the biggest things, of course, is our own feelings will show up because most of us were overpowered hundreds of thousands of times as children. And of course, our own powerlessness or outrage is really likely to show up at those times. Again, because we're so wise, it's reminding us of something from the past. We're trying to heal the more we can take that, those feelings and have them lovingly heard so that we can express our absolute outrage and frustration and powerlessness and grief and mourning so that we can actually not be in those younger parts when our child is trying to hit everyone. Those three things are so big, aren't they? And take time and require diligence in us to tend to those three things. Yes, and of course, it's really hard to do that if you if you having if you're going through that period where your child is being super aggressive, 
at the same time. Really, really yeah. hard. In the disconnected domination culture where we don't get enough support, where parenting isn't valued, where we're often needing to help, you know, if there's, you know, depending on the family setup, where parents are needing to work, to survive, you know, all the things that make this so much harder. Mm. Of course, it's going to be really hard. So that's why I invite everyone to put down the sticks, <laughs> the guilt sticks, a hundred times in the book because yeah. yeah again we can know all these things and yet many many times we may still be reactive I talk about it in the book my experience with my son when his dad and I separated and many times I didn't do these things many times I did but many times I didn't and it's so important to be so compassionate let me say again it's important to be so compassionate with ourselves about how hard this is and to know that we can always go back and repair that's always possible which I also talk about in the book <laughs> yes you do I mean you have so many chapters we could talk for hours about the book you have beautiful beautiful chapters about food you have beautiful chapters about siblings and friendship about repair about screens and I know that screens is something that parents find really really difficult Again, and maybe we could talk touch on screens a little bit just briefly because that's such a it's such a common struggle for so many people. And I love how you talk in the book about how the three aspects of aware parenting are so beautiful to bring in 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 relation to screens around the, the attachment and connection and how important that is, the non-punitive discipline and how important that is, and and the protection from stress as well as the the healing of stress. What what is there anything you'd like to share about that particularly? Well, I want to say, Joss, that that chapter, chapter and even the chapter got even more wonderful after you read it. The, the food and the screen chapter, I did a lot of editing after, and I think it's they're even more yummy. Yeah, again, I wish I'd had this book. <laughs> Me too. Way back. Oh my god! Because again, I've got so clear now about how to communicate this, and it took me years to really work out how. I just think screens is one of the hardest things. And it took me years to really understand the things that I'm writing about in the book that would have been so helpful for me and would have saved me a lot of powerlessness and reactivity to just have a really clear sense of this would be the way I would have liked to move forward. And it's similar to talk about the similarities with food and screens in terms of us getting really clear about those those three aspects of aware parenting, how, again, it's like really seeing how powerful we are as parents and creating this beautiful safety. And then within that, our decisions, then giving them choice and having the conversations. And um, again, through conversation with Aletha, getting really clear about, again, what I wish I'd known about having discussions with children, even at a very young age. So with Loving Limits, this is again some of the clarity I got through talking to her and to you about having agreements in place, having discussions in place. So rather than just coming in with a loving limit, but to, to be trusting our children, conveying this confidence in them, supporting them to stay connected with their bodies in relation to screens, making agreements, and then and then possibly offering a loving limit after a process of connection, conversation, attachment play, rather than using loving limits, but actually that's not the most helpful thing. So that, that would have been so helpful for me. And even the languaging then of like, you know, with screens that might be when you do eventually get to the point of a loving limit, it might be so what might we say? giving the information about the loving limit. So this is a piece I haven't made clear before. And in that particular case, it would be the reason why is because I'd really like us to stick to the agreement that we made. So I'd really like you to get off now after this episode. Or I'm not willing for you to watch anymore. I'm here and I'm because I really want us to stick to that agreement that we made. So you can see it still doesn't run off my tongue because it's not something I used to say. And gosh, I would have loved to have had that in mm. my little toolbox. <laughs> yes, I love that piece around giving information in relation to loving limits. That's something that I really understood. Oh, you had that in there. <laughs> yeah. put that in a little footnote to say thank you to, the, to you for that. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I got it very much from you and from your conversation. Yeah, but I, do, but I, I put it in a footnote to say thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so beautiful. <laughs> 
But yes, how if we're not giving explanations and we're not giving information to our children and just offering loving limits, it can often just feel like power over to them. So I love that process that you talk through around, you know, tending to ourselves and, and our judgments and offering ourselves compassion and and coming back to that sense of trust around screens, which can often be feel a bit shaky and wobbly um, for many of us. Um, and then coming back into this connection around negotiating agreements and reviewing them and then renegotiating them and then reviewing them again and then reviewing them again because it's like this ongoing thing it's not like a one-off is it and and then offering some attachment play and some connection and some laughter and some togetherness around it all and then as a as a last one moving in with some loving limits with information too it just seems like a it's just so much more respectful it's so much more loving it's so much more effective yeah, it really is, isn't it? And I want to go back to all the people that I've talked to and I haven't given this information. I'm just like, I just want to, if you have any feelings about that that you'd like to come and share with me, please do. And and similarly, as I talk about similarly, as I offer in this book, if we're willing to keep learning, we are going to keep knowing things that we didn't know before. And the only way to do that without incredible suffering is to be deeply compassionate with ourselves that we didn't know then what we know now and that includes me <laughs> that yeah. includes me. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah amazing one of the last things i'd love to talk to you about is you devote a chapter to talking about the challenges of aware parenting with our partners or with our exes and how often that comes up with with clients and and how often that is a big challenge that's something that i'm really passionate about too with my beautiful got course, course little plug <laughs> yes i was going to say if you're not plugging i'm going to be <laughs> what would you like to share briefly around that from from that beautiful chapter in your book I was going to say, would you like to share in your course? What would I like to say? Oh, again, well, what I love most of all from my work with mentees is really remembering that we don't always need to go and say the thing to our partner that so often it can be really helpful to really say all the things that we might want to say to our listening partner in a, because then we so often we might want to just say it in a really just rah, in a way that's got our conditioning and our younger parts and it's really all that kind of explosiveness and of course many times we do want to directly talk to our partner ex but again if we actually get to be lovingly heard by someone who isn't going to get into being reactive or defensive and then we really have that sense of oh, I'm really deeply heard and understood then it can be then really helpful to then go and have the conversation that we want to have, which may still be including our feelings, but it can often mean that they're going to hear it in a way that, that they're going to be less likely to react and be able to really hear us. So that's just, again, coming back to the importance of having plenty of people to share our feelings with, to actually yeah. support relationships. Yeah, it makes so much difference, doesn't it? Having places to go and discharge all of that stress and fear and worry and intense feeling so that then we can come back without the charge there because we've discharged it and then you're more likely to be able to have conversations that are you know, connected and clear and, and deep and, and meaningful and honest but respectful and yeah, just conducive to relationship building rather than destructive. I love that conducive, such a beautiful word. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because then, it, you know, we I, I love so much about supporting parents to be a team, to be a team together, whether they're together or exes. And so often that really requires us to, to not see them as the enemy with fighting needs and to actually increasingly say, ah, yes, same thing. It's just, you know, we're parenting with them, isn't it? What am I telling myself about them? <laughs> What are they telling themselves about me? What are they needing? What's going on? You know, where are they in from their own childhood? And the more we can see that, that we're two people both with thoughts, needs, and feelings, often tapping into old childhood dynamics with each other, which I this isn't aware parenting, which I personally believe we choose people who will exactly fit into those so that we can heal them. The more we can understand that and go, oh, that's why I chose you, because exactly because we would fit into these patterns so that we could change them rather than fighting each other, everything changes. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And this, the way of parenting framework just it lends itself so beautifully to that part, doesn't it? Amazing. So is there anything else? I mean, there is so much more in the book and I really just recommend everybody buys it and reads it lots. But <laughs> is there anything else that you would particularly love to to share that we haven't touched on? I don't think so. Just please come and read the stories. Well, would you know, I would like to say is the first, the foundations chapter is really big and long and, and I did that on purpose so that there's really this deep foundation, but just to know, please keep going. If you're reading that and you're going, gosh, this is really long, please keep going or even just skip a bit if you want to and come back to it. And I invite you to go and read the stories the from the, from a child's eyes, because again, yeah, connecting into feelings and our compassion and love, that can also be supportive to then go back and read some more of the denser parts of the book. So that's what I want to say. If, you, if you're in that beginning bit and you're like, gosh, this is quite long, please feel free to skip it and come back to it later. <laughs> so the last part of the book, you talk about trust, and that would be a lovely place to end today. It's such a central aspect of aware parenting, trusting children and trusting ourselves and so on. It's obviously really hard for us because that's not how most of us grew up at all. And that's not really part of our culture either to be having this sense of trust. What what would you like to, to end with to support parents to connect in more with that sense? Hmm. Well, it's often what we talk about, Joss, in our aware parenting natural learning uh, podcast and community is how wonderful <laughs> again like that when we look back now after all these two past decades of just the the deep trust that we have developed through practicing this that what I would love to offer is one of the reasons I've written this book is so that people can have a kind of faster track version of that <laughs> so that they can get to trust more quickly because Really, when we really trust our children, we trust ourselves. It's a similar thing to being able to see through the eyes of love. When we really get that, just everything else becomes so much easier. So many things drop away and fall away as, as not important. And if they are, we become so much calmer and more relaxed about them. So, yeah, I would, I would love to, to you to know that it, you really will come to a point where you deeply trust your child or children and deeply trust yourself. And you're going to feel so relieved when you do. <laughs> this makes life so much easier. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Oh, Marion, thank you so much for making time to come and share all your some of your amazing wisdom that is in this book. I just am so... And as you know, when I read the book, I was just so incredibly touched by it. I think it's I think it's genius. I really think it's a genius book. I think it really clearly gives parents this map, basically, to to follow, to to bring aware parenting to their children in depth, really with with such clarity and with so much compassion for for themselves in the process too and i just i'm just imagining the world if if every parent in the world got to read this book what a difference it would make but i i can just really i'm so excited and overjoyed imagining all the children in the world whose lives are going to be so so different as a result of this beautiful book that you've put together and I know that that is really what what your passion is and what your calling is for the world and I'm just so so grateful to you for writing it and I'm so grateful for you for making time to come and talk about it too. Well I'm in tears thinking about all the children so thank you (laughs) and thank you I love our conversations and thank you for all your support and and all your contributions and all your celebrations. And I just love what happens in the conversation between the two of us. So I'm looking forward to us doing more. We're going to be, can I can I also plug that? Are we going to yeah. be t- doing our doing more episodes, getting back into our aware parenting and natural learning podcast as well? So I just I, I love what comes from the two of us talking together. So thank you so much. Mm, my pleasure. And we're sending lots of love, as always, to everyone who's listening. And how can people buy the book, Marion? 
At the moment, it's available only on Amazon and just in paperback, and soon it will become available Kindle or in ebook, however you name that, also on Amazon, and then it will become available at bookshops and things, and then in a few months there'll be an audiobook. Wow. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, just at Amazon for your – is it available Amazon. in all countries, just on their Amazon Pretty website? all countries, yeah. And it's – Sometimes if you look on your own country, your Amazon, it may not show up, but it is available. So anyone's welcome to just send me a, a DM or email me or whatever, however you want to contact me and I can send you the direct link because it is available everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Well, congratulations. It's also number one in several categories along with your other books. So that's it. Now you really are a best-selling author of multiple best-selling books. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm like Kermit the Frog. Do you remember Kermit the Frog? How he used to go, yay, and his head used to shake back and forth. I'm doing that. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, well, thanks so much, Marion. I'm so, so grateful for your time. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.